0: I'll be uh, be reading uh, another Easter story found in the Gospel of John. It's fun and interesting for me, and I hope it is for you, to hear how different gospel writers wrote about the different events that happened, and so I wanted you to hear that one so that you can hear this one also. This is found in John chapter 20. If you'd like to follow along in your own Bible, you'll also be on the screen behind Early in the morning of the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the tomb had been taken, that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. She ran to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said, "They've taken the Lord from the tomb, and they don't know where they put him." Peter and the other disciple left to go to the tomb. They were running together, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and was the first to arrive at the tomb. Bending down to take a look, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he didn't go in. Following him, Simon Peter entered the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there. He also saw saw the face cloth that had been on Jesus' head. It wasn't with the other clothes, but was folded up in its own place. Then the other disciple, The one who arrived at the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They didn't yet understand the scripture that Jesus must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to the place where they were staying. But Mary stood outside near the tomb crying. As she cried, she bent down to look into the tomb. She saw two angels dressed in white, seated where the body of Jesus had been, one at the head and one at the foot. The angels asked her, Woman, why are you crying? She replied, They've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've put him. As soon as she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she replied, Sir, If you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, "Rabbi," which means teacher. Jesus said to her, don't hold on to me, for I haven't yet gone up to my father. Go to my brothers and sisters and tell them I'm going up to my father and your father. To my God and your God. Mary Magdalene left and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord. Then she told them what he had said. May God give us wisdom and courage for interpretation. May God give us wisdom and courage as we try our best to apply the truth of Scripture to our lives. This is incredible story. Mary Magdalene was one of Jesus' closest friends. There are all types of all kinds of legends about her but I'll tell you what we know from scripture. We know she came from a town called Magdalene and that while she lived there she was a prostitute. So you can imagine all of the names that she was called. We know that Jesus cast demons out of her, seven of them to be exact. So she was a demon possessed prostitute living in a town uh, that was known to be a, a strong religious town. We know that her brother Lazarus died and Jesus was late getting there. Lazarus was one of Jesus' best friends. He heard that Lazarus was dying and he was late getting there he didn't get to see Lazarus before he died. But he called Lazarus out. And when Lazarus came out, he was still wrapped up in the cloths, and Jesus said, unbind him so he can walk. We know that Mary cried tears onto Jesus' feet and washed his feet with her tears and then dried his feet with her hair. We know that she and her sister Martha were hosting everyone at their house one time, and Martha was really busy taking care of everything and was distracted between what Mary was doing and what Martha was doing and wasn't really taking care of anything because she was so distracted. And Jesus said, Martha, do what you're doing, and it'll be better that way. Don't worry about what your sister's doing. Good parenting. followed Jesus for years and Mary was one of the women that we know was courageous enough to follow him all the way to the cross. Peter went and hid. James went and hid. John happened to be standing there by Mary, by Mary the mother of Jesus when, when Jesus was dying. But all the other men had taken off. They were in hiding. They were afraid of what might happen to them. But Mary of Magdalene was a courageous, strong, powerful woman who got her power from being included into a community that was known for including people. She had been excluded for whatever reasons, whatever life circumstances she had encountered, she had been excluded. And then Jesus came along and changed everything for her. Imagine the grief that she was feeling when she watched her best friend be executed and watched them torturously die, Watch them be carried to this tomb out of the generosity of someone's heart. They offered a tomb for him. They laid him in the tomb. And then three days later, she and some of her friends, some of Jesus' other friends, they were going back to the tomb. And my favorite part of this whole story, other than Jesus' resurrection, is the first words. Early in the morning of the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. I love that it was still dark because it makes it uh, feel—I can picture it, I can feel it, I, I can see it. I, I wonder what was going on with Mary. I wonder if she had uh, a, some sort of torch or a lantern to light the path. I wonder if she was just walking in the dark blindly. I wonder if she knew the path well enough that she wasn't tripping and stumbling, or, or if she was stubbing her toes, and maybe she tripped and fell and scraped her elbow. I wonder what she was thinking as she was walking to that path, because I, I can remember some dark walks that I went on. some of them literal and some of them figurative. One of the literal dark walks I went on, I was fortunate enough to get to spend three or four days at Christ of the Desert Monastery in Abiquiu a few years ago. If you've never been there, you need to go, even if it's just for an hour or two. But Michelle and I got to go and and I was was feeling super spiritual at the time. And so I decided I was gonna pray all of the prayers that the monks who lived there prayed. And uh, then I got there and realized the times that they prayed. And I was still feeling super spiritual. So they pray like in the middle of the morning while it's still dark. They pray right after sunrise, they pray in the middle of the morning, they pray in the middle of the afternoon, they pray later afternoon, and then they pray late at night. And I decided that I was going to do that, and I did it one day. The rest of them, I was like, that's enough. <laughs> but the first morning I got up, I set my alarm clock, and I got up and I stepped outside and it was cold, so I went back in I put on a sweatshirt and I started walking to the chapel. And it was about a half mile walk, maybe, maybe a quarter of a mile was just on a little path. And it was a full moon, and you're down in this canyon, and the moon was bright enough that it was casting shadows. But I still couldn't quite see so I was trying to look into dark places to let my eyes adjust because I didn't want to trip and fall. And when I read this story, I wonder if it was a walk like that. Was it a full moon? Was Mary walking in the brightness? Could she see where she was going? Or was it the kind of darkness that we feel sometimes when we don't know what's happening? When everything around us is chaotic and we can't figure out what's up and what's down and what step we should take next. Was it that kind of darkness? And I have a feeling it was that one. John, in his gospel, writes a lot about light and dark and blindness and being able to see. I don't think it's by accident that he wanted us to know it was still dark. Mary's heart was broken. She was feeling darkness, not just seeing darkness. And she gets to the tomb, not knowing what had happened. And she gets to the tomb in the darkness. And she looks in, and in the darkness, she sees that Jesus' body isn't there. And I imagine that she went into a rage. I don't read her words as words of grief, like, oh my gosh, where's his body? I read it as, where have they taken him? They won't even let us have that. They had to kill him, but now he can't. we can't even have a place to go and grieve him. They've taken everything. Why? Like I, I mean, it's just like pure rage that I think she's feeling. And so she runs back and gets the most rage-filled person she knows, Peter. <laughs> if you don't know, on the night that Jesus was arrested, Peter was like, ah, oh, I'm not having it. Pulls out his sword, and he's not that good of a fighter, apparently. He pulls out his sword and swings at a guy, trying to hit him in the neck, and misses and cuts his ear off. And Jesus says, put your sword away, Peter, and reaches down, picks the guy's ear up, and <laughs> sticks it back on his head. So she goes and gets Peter because she knows Peter will do something. He's a person of action. He doesn't think a lot, but he's a person of action. And so he takes off running, and John, the beloved disciple, is running with him. And and they want us to make sure that we know John is faster. And so John gets there first. And the truth behind that is this. And I I really like the fact that they made sure to let us know that John ran faster. Because it's church politics. (laughs) <laughs> Peter was known as um, like the leader of the early church this was written a long, quite a while after all these events happened and Peter was known as the leader of the church but John had his own community that he was pastoring and leading and this gospel was written for those people and so whoever wrote this was saying uh, also John was there and also John's important because his faith was so fervent that he ran faster than Peter but he he understood Peter was the leader so he was respectful and stood back and let Peter go in first so as a pastor I love the fact that they were dealing with church politics even then (laughs) because wherever there are people there are problems and it's beautiful So they get there and the guys are oblivious. They forget that Mary is like behind them and they just leave and they leave her there. Which is kind of ridiculous really, like she went to get them because she was afraid and they left her. Because they are afraid. She's sitting there and she sees these two beings and has no fear of them because of her rage and she says, they've taken my, my lord, they've taken and then she turns and you ever cried so hard it's hard to see it's like everything's blurry and you're still trying to look and through her blurred tears she sees the gardener standing there probably dirty clothes, briny fingernails she recognizes a gardener when she sees one and she says, if you've taken Tell me where he is. I'll go get him myself. Keep your nose out of our business. And then she hears it. You know Jesus' voice when you hear it. Sometimes for me, it sounds like one of my kids. Sometimes it sounds like you (coughs) singing songs. Sometimes it sounds like the sound of water when I'm baptizing someone. You know Jesus' voice when you hear it. She said, he said her name. Mary. And the darkness was gone. The story of Easter is this. Death the last word? God does. The story of Easter is this. Your bank account does not have the last word. God does. The story of Easter is this. Your doctor and the prognosis they have given you does not have the last word because God does. God. The attorneys don't have the last word. God does. The terrorists in Sri Lanka don't have the last word because God, God does. Whatever darkness we walk in, God is in it. In the darkest part of it, not on the dark path we're walking on, but it's in the tomb that it leads to. Doing things in that tomb that we could never, ever imagine That's the last word. But I don't want to be that pastor. The one that makes you think, oh, turn your life over to Jesus and everything's going to be better. Because it won't. There's still darkness. There's still anxiety. They're still unknown. They're still the things we're holding in and we don't know what they are. And it takes a little bit of faith, like a mustard seed size, to trust that God is going to do something in that darkness. I think if Mary had written a story the way she wanted it, she would have heard Jesus' voice and she would have run and grabbed him, and they would have walked arm in arm back to the, the where everybody was hiding out, and they would have had a great big feast, and then everything would have been happy, but that's not how it worked. Jesus said, don't touch me. I've not yet gone to my Father. I've not yet gone to my God. I'm going to go to him. It's not just my God, your God, not just my Father, your Father. You're part of this with me, but don't hold on to him. Sometimes what God is doing is not what we want God to do, but it works out because if it had worked out the way that Mary wanted, we probably wouldn't be here celebrating today. I love the fact that on Easter morning everybody shows up because this is worth showing up. It's worth showing up, knowing that in the darkness God is working, and whatever your darkness is, does not have the last word. Because who? God. Yeah, y'all were like God. I hope. just as in the last, these two baptisms that we got to be part of today I hope you heard me say at the end in my prayer for their filling of the Holy Spirit that on their darkest days they will remember that they are children of God that their dark days don't define them and on their days of great success those successes don't define them what defines us as people of the resurrection is the fact that we are children of God, and God has the last word. Amen. Amen. So we're going to celebrate another chaotic thing together. We're